Hey everybody, this is Dr. William Clark here for Leadership Conversations. This is the show where we talk about leadership according to the world that matters to you. I want to talk to you quickly about scorching the path. Now, one of the most exciting things about being an emerging leader is when you take a moment to breathe, yes, breathe, and to do an evaluation of where you are in the moment. It's wonderful when you get a chance to just take a look at what you've been able to accomplish by God's grace and how good he's been to you and how doors have opened and how pathways have been made clear for you. And when you think about those moments and you think about how uh, thankful you are for what you've been able to accomplish, you also take a moment to think about what had to happen in order for you to get to where you are. Right. You think about changes in relationships that have had to be made. You think about changes in your approach to your work. You think about ways you've adjusted personally, mentally, emotionally to become a better version of yourself and a host of other things that has just had to change and adjust because of what you were focused on, because of what you were trying to achieve. And when you think about what you had to do, you realize or you should realize that that was the path that was necessary in order for you to get to where you are now. And if and if you agree with that, then you know that that particular path worked for you. The changes, the, the turns and directions, the reverses, the acceleration, the slowing down, the stopping sometimes was a part of the path that led you to where you are. Now, as an emerging leader, you're thinking about what's next. And it's important for you to be thinking about what's next. What's next for your career? What's next for your organization? What's next for your work? What's next on your to-do list, on your vision board, etc.? What's next should be at the top of your, your thinking, at the top of your list of things to think about at all times. But as emerging leaders, you're also thinking about if, if XYZ is next, how do I get there? And when we think about that, we begin to jot down, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And perhaps this conversation today is an encouragement to be mindful of the fact that the path you took to get to where you are now might not be the same path you will indeed take to get to where you are going to go. Whatever's next for you, whatever is going to be available to you in your career, will require you to do things differently than what it took for you to get to where you are now. Some of the principles may be the same. Some of the actions or the, the, the outline of the actions, the shadow of the actions may look the same. But there will be nuances that will require you to approach things just a little different this time around. It's fascinating when you think about the adjustments you got to make to get to where you want to go, the relationships that have to adjust to get to where you want to go, the changes in your behavior, your thinking, your emotional status, your mental status in order to get to where you want to go. This is where we get the topic scorching the path. This, is, this in no way means or suggests that you have to forget where you came from. This in no, way, in no means means no way means that you have to forget the sacrifices that you've made and others made in you, the investment that they've made in you. No, that, that, that is not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is that if you believe 
the next level, the next step in your career is directly connected to you taking the exact same steps that it took you to get to where you are now, you will be sadly mistaken. There will be new sacrifices, new challenges, new adjustments that you will have to account for this time around as you elevate to the next phase that you're targeting. And in many cases, for your own benefit, your own mental benefit, your own emotional benefit, you may actually have to literally scorch the path from before. Why? Why even as a figure of speech would I even say that? The temptation to look back, the temptation to feel like things were better when, the temptation to believe if I can just the temptation to think and feel those things can distract you from being focused on what you got to do to get to where you want to go next. What it took several months ago may not even be relevant anymore. What it took a couple years ago may not even be relevant anymore. Things have changed. People have changed. The landscape that you're playing on or you're working on or you're involved in has changed. Some say the more things change, the more things stay the same. There is truth to that. But the more things stay the same, the more things change as well. I say that because in order for things to stay the same, people go through all types of adjustments and maneuvers to get back to square one. And while they're maneuvering and adjusting and introducing things that seem to be very new to the landscape, you still have to respond to those changes. You still have to respond to the nuance that's being introduced along the new path that you're taking. And this may suggest that what you knew before, what you understood before, is no longer relevant information, although the destination will get you back to square one. It's the path that's different. And as an emerging leader, you got you to gotta keep focused on the big picture here. Your future depends upon it. Your growth depends upon it. Your organization depends upon it. Your progress depends upon it. And I believe that as you spend time thinking about what's next, and as you spend time slowly but surely scorching the path from yesteryear, you'll start to see clearly the path forward to where you're going to go and what path you need to take to get you to where you're going to go. This is Dr. William Clark here for Leadership Conversations. We'll see you in the next show. Hey everybody, this is Dr. William Clark here for Leadership Conversations. This is the show where we talk about leadership according to the world that matters to you. I wanted to uh, come on real quick and talk about a couple of ways to uh, immediately earn the respect of those that you lead. Now, I'm reading, uh, I was reading an article by Lucas Miller, 
and uh, he wrote this uh, uh, this particular article about ways to uh, earn respect of those you lead. And this is for Entrepreneur Magazine. And I, when I read these points, I, I thought, man, these are really on point, and I thought I would share them with you. And he lists about five things here that I want to uh, go over really, really quickly. And some of these will sound really, really familiar to you because we've been having this conversation uh, about um, ways to strengthen our leadership. So let me just jump in really quick about what Lucas talks about. He, the first thing he mentions it is to be passionate about your vision. Now, as a leader, we're constantly setting the tone for uh, the leadership within our organizations. We are the cultural uh, trendsetters in our organization further beyond being cultural trendsetters and curators of culture. We are the ones who are pushing a particular vision, an outcome that we believe is achievable as a result of us working together, as a result of our work being produced at a high rate of efficiency and effectiveness, and uh, as a result of our work making a strong connection with our customers. Now, when you start to sell that vision, in the early stages, you will notice that people may not be as supportive of that particular vision for a number of reasons. It really doesn't matter why they're not supportive for the purposes of this conversation, but just know that people may not be supportive of your vision. But you, my friend, have to be on top of ensuring that your vision is being told, is being shared, and ultimately the consistency with which you share your vision, the consistency with which you talk about your vision, the consistency with which you execute on that vision shows the passion that you have for what you believe in. The moment you stop showing passion, the moment you stop showing excitement, the moment you stop being uh, consistent about the vision that you have for your organization or your team is the moment people stop performing and behaving at, uh, in connection to that particular vision. All right. The second thing Lucas talks about is having a servant attitude as a leader. Now, there is a theory called servant leadership and certainly servant leadership theory uh, is something that should be a part of what we espouse as leaders, what we pursue as leaders. Ideally, as a servant leader, you view your role not as someone who is in charge of everyone. You don't view your role uh, as someone who controls everything, who tells people what to do. A servant leader sees their role as someone who is there to meet the needs of the team. Okay. Now, uh, one of my favorite ways of expressing servant leadership is what Jesus Christ taught. Jesus taught his disciples that if there's someone who's great among you, someone who is considered uh, the chief or the leader among you, he is a slave or a servant to everyone. A leader serves the needs of the entire organization. By the leader is out front, the leader is the visible individual in most cases. That leader represents the hundreds or the tens or the hundreds or the thousands of people that work behind the scene. These people in your organization rely upon you to represent them in everything that, that you do. This is why with publicly traded companies, when a CEO misrepresents the organization, its values, the board, the, uh, and the team members, stock prices plummet. Because it, if that representation is true externally, people are going to assume internally you behave the same way. And that means that that organization might not be viable. Okay, So as a servant leader, you are the one who serves 
the most people and you are a slave in a, in a sense to your organization. Don't think of it as a negative thing. Think of it as I am here to ensure that you're able to do your best work possible. What can I do? How can I help? Here's the third thing Lucas talks about in terms of earning the respect of those that uh, you're leading. Be open to change. As leaders, you're going to come into an organization, into a team with a set strategy that you believe is going to work to get the job done. And you've likely developed that strategy as a result of your years of experience, as a result of things you've been through, things you've accomplished, things that you failed at, things you observed, things that you studied. For whatever reason, you're going to have your way of doing things. And that's that's that makes complete sense. Don't get me wrong. You should have a strategy. Quite frankly, your team is going to look to you for that particular strategy. They're going to look to you for guidance. They're going to look to you for perspective to add new value to new strategies new tactics to get the job done. However, you got to have the mindset that while I may have a philosophy of how to get this done, the circumstances surrounding my work, the circumstances surrounding how we get stuff done may have to be altered given some things I did not account for. While you have a strategy to get from point A to point B, developing that strategy may not have accounted for changes in the market, changes amongst your staff, changes in the economy, changes in customers, changes in the internal structure, etc. Those things are things you may not be able to forecast. So the best way to accommodate for those changes is to be open minded and be open to change. Be open to altering your strategy. Be open to readjusting your philosophy, your approach, your plans. You'll see the benefit of that because you as a, as a team lead, as a leader, as the executive, you're viewed as nimble, but you also, by way of being open-minded, you're giving your staff permission to be equally open-minded about ways to do things better and differently. And that permission can change the culture of your organization tremendously. Lucas goes on with number four and says, take responsibility. At the end of the day, as the leader, you're responsible for what gets done or what doesn't get done in your organization. You can try to blame so-and-so for not following through or not doing X, Y, and Z. You can try that. But the truth is, as the leader, the buck does stop with you. The buck does end with you. It, it ends with your decision-making, what you allow. Even if you claim you didn't know that this was going to happen or that you didn't know they were going to do this, it's in, it ultimately stops and ends with you, friend. So you have to own everything that comes with being a leader. Some things that you'll be working on, you will have no idea that this was going to happen. This was going to unfold. They were going to make that decision. I did not sanction that that. Uh, decision to be made and at the end of the day you're still responsible you're responsible for what happens and that's that's unfortunate but you're also the one that gets the glory and the praise and the accolades when things go right and you had nothing to do with it just because you hired the team just because you're the one that put the team in place you want to get the credit but you don't want to get the the blame when you put that same team in place and they make a mistake you got to own everything and here's the last thing Lucas shares. 
and this is so true for so many leaders, and that is respect is earned. You do not get respect because of your title. You do not get respect because of your position or how much you know or what you've been through. You get respect because you've earned it. You earn respect through consistency, through outcomes, through performance. Now, you would think that I'm sharing these things to earn respect from those that that oversee you. Perhaps you have a board or perhaps you have a CEO over you. No, you got to earn respect of your team just as much as you got to earn respect of those above you. Think about relationships as a compass. You have northern relationships, those who supervise you. You have east and west relationships, those that you consider peers. And you have southern relationships, those that report to you. You have to earn respect from everyone on that compass point, especially those that you lead. If you want them to follow you to the moon and back, You got to give them a good reason to do that. And I think that as you work hard on earning that respect, you'll find that your team will give you that respect and much more than you've ever expected or anticipated. So I hope this is helpful for you leaders who are looking to earn respect and you're trying to figure out how to transition in your role as a new leader, especially if you're managing or leading those that you used to work with. These are some good tactics. I hope you find this helpful. This is Dr. William Clark for Leadership Conversations, and we'll see you in the next show. Everybody, this is Dr. William Clark here for Leadership Conversations. This is the show where we talk about leadership according to the world that matters to you. I wanted to take a few moments uh, and to spend with you to talk about a couple of unproductive habits you're going to want to quit as you're continuously developing your leadership. Now, this article was written by Darius Farwa, and I hope I'm saying that right, Darius, but thank you for this article. And he wrote it for uh, theladders.com, and I thought he shared some really interesting thoughts here that I wanted to add some commentary to, particularly as you continue to strengthen your leadership and develop your leadership for ongoing development. Now, Darius uh, identified 11 things here, and he, he went in on it. Um, but let me just cover a few things that I think are really going to be important for you as you think about ways to strengthen your leadership and to make a difference in your leadership. So let's just cover a few and perhaps we'll make this a series, right, uh, as we've done with others, um, uh, you know, other topics that were written by other folks. So here's the first thing. One of the things you want to do to make sure you um, want to be more productive is overworking. Now, this is an interesting uh, thought Darius introduces because you would think that overworking is something that every leader should want of themselves and the people on their team. Actually, what you need to consider when you think about overworking is, am I overworking in something that is not relevant to the work that I'm engaged in? Some people are guilty of doing a whole lot of work that is not even relevant to the work, not even close to helping the work, not close to advancing the work. And ultimately, they do a lot of busy work. And I'm sure you know people like that. Perhaps you're one of those type of people who just engages in busy work. And quite frankly, 
busy work makes you look busy. It makes you look like you're doing something. But in fact, you're really not doing anything productive. And unfortunately, in some organizations, it is preferred that you look busy above you being highly productive. And from a leadership standpoint, I got to tell you that people who look busy always, uh, they raise my antennas because you wonder what they're doing when you're not there, but they're always busy when you're around. And when you look at their work products, when you look at their output or their data or any of the, the work that they are working on, there's a disconnect between the amount of uh, busyness that they're engaged in and the quality and quantity of their work. So from a, from a leader, from an emergent standpoint perspective, you want to get away from looking busy and overworking in things that are irrelevant and start working smarter and more efficiently on things that are relevant to the work that you're engaged in. Okay, so the next thing he writes is stop worrying because worrying is <laughs> is so unproductive. People people worry for a bunch of reasons and they have a different they have different rationales for worrying and it can be for whatever reason, right? Uh, but when when you're leading a team, when you're trying to make a difference in the life of your customer, you're trying to make a difference in the work life of your staff. Uh, you're trying to make a difference in the community where you're serving or you're having the most impact. It, worrying isn't going to get you anywhere. It's not going to change anything for you. So when things don't go as planned, when you're not achieving the outcomes you're targeting, when you're not hitting the goals you're targeting, when you're not able to see the outcomes that really are going to show that your work is adding the tremendous value, worrying is not going to help you at all. Worrying is going to make the situation much worse. Now, I will tell you, uh, from f f if you're looking at this from the lens of a leader, when you over, when you uncover situations that are difficult to uh, navigate, that are difficult to wrestle with, that are difficult to uh, get your arms around, the last thing you want to do is worry. But the first thing you want to do is see how things unfold. Because typically, if you allow things to unfold, you'll find an answer in the situation as it's unraveling itself. Right. You'll find solutions to the problems that you might not have discovered before because over worrying, over stressing, over engaging in a way that that makes you uh, hawkish on a situation can make you miss solutions that are simply right in front of your face. And I'm going to challenge you as a leader particularly as an emerging leader, to start to look at opportunities for you to worry less and think more and observe more. The more you're able to observe, the more you're able to look at how things are happening and unfolding, the less you'll see yourself worrying about situations and the more you'll allow yourself to think things through to evaluate circumstances as they are unfolding in front of you and to give your team the breathing room they need to figure out how to fix the situation too. Sometimes as leader, you, you leaders, you can over worry about a situation and you can pass that stress on to your team. And at the end of the day, they're going to receive what you're putting on their shoulders. And, and if you're really processing this, you may be saying to yourself, man, you know, perhaps the stress my team is under, perhaps uh, the frustration my team is feeling is a result of me passing that on to them. And I need to adjust uh, that behavior of mine. And it might be tied to worrying. So try to worry less and allow things to to uh, play itself out. OK, so the next thing Darius talks about is stop being stubborn. Now, 
being a leader does not mean you have all the answers. Being a leader does not mean you have all the solutions. Being a leader does not mean that you will be the one to fix all problems. Being a leader means you are the one influencing the decision-making process towards a successful end. And you're the one curating the culture of the organization that allows people to feel comfortable with being creative and innovative and solution-oriented. At the end of the day, if you're too stubborn to adjust how you view things or uh, updating technology uh, and how it's influencing your work, it cause your organization to suffer unnecessarily, and it's, it's not necessary. Take time to stop being stubborn. Take time to stop being pigheaded. Take time to be open in how you come to conclusions and how you solve problems. All right. Now, there's one more thing I'm going to share in this first part of this series that Darius writes about. And, and I think this is so important for leaders. Uh, I can't stress this enough. And that is stop ignoring your health. When you ignore your health, you're you're creating the groundwork for unproductivity. Ignoring your health is tied to your inability to take care of yourself, to get a proper amount of sleep, to exercise, to give you energy, to eat the right foods, to be around positive people, to de-stress yourself, to decompress from the day, to, to, if necessary, talk to someone to get things off of your chest. If you aren't taking care of self, you are no good to your team. At the end of the day, you're only as good as your health and your team is only as good as you are. And if if there's gaps in your health, if there's gaps in your ability to deliver and to provide value and to contribute to the team, if there's gaps in that, you're putting your work, your team, your organization, your stakeholders, your customers at risk. It's helpful to get regular checkups. It's important to work out. It's valuable to eat healthy foods. It's, it's, it's necessary to talk about things that you're going through, to share the mental and emotional burdens that you're going through with someone who may not have a dog in the fight, but whose only job is to listen to you, is to be a sounding board to you. Is to be someone uh, that will help you de-stress or to process what you're going through. Perhaps you're trying to solve a problem and you feel like, I don't know who I can talk to, right? And if you feel that way, this is when you have an advisor, a mentor, maybe a counselor, therapist that can help you untangle those thoughts so that you can have an opportunity, to solve these problems, or if not solve the problems, come to a conclusion that, man, maybe it's not as bad as I think it is, or I need to think about it differently, or I need to adjust my approach to my work. You got to take care of yourself, folks. I can't say that enough. And you got to steal moments away to take care of you. Even if it's a five-minute meditation break throughout the day, a coffee break, a walking break, a workout break. Perhaps you're the type of person who needs to work out in the beginning, early in the morning. Maybe you need to work out for lunch. Maybe you need to work out after work. Whatever works for you, you got to do it because that keeps you energized. That keeps you ready to go, ready to move forward with the work at hand because you, you are important to, to the work. You may not be on the front lines like you used to be, but your visionary thinking your creative thought, your innovative approach to problem solving, your relationships, 
that that adds tremendous value to the work your team is engaged in. And I believe that the more you take care of you, the more your team will be thankful and appreciative of you for that. So this is the first part of the series, uh, Things uh, You Need to Do to Stop Being Unproductive. And we're going to continue this conversation, guys. Fo follow me on social media. Like my, like my pages. Follow my pages. Subscribe. And if you have a favorite podcast platform, go ahead and subscribe to Leadership Conversations with Dr. William Clark. I'll be glad uh, to have a conversation with you. Leave comments below. We'll be glad to engage with you. Until the next time, we'll see you in the next show. Peace.